Welcome to Vertical with Veter, a podcast exploring the latest in vertical storage solutions. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Vertical with Veter, a Veter Solutions podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. And folks, thanks so much for joining us on another episode of the show. We appreciate you listening along. As you're doing so and getting some great thought leadership from the podcast, make sure that you're subscribing on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. There you'll find a full catalog of previous episodes as well as notifications when we drop new ones. And you can also head to our website, storevertical.com. Again, storevertical.com for more information on solutions and services and other Veter content. So on today's episode, before we continue taking the podcast into deeper industry-related news, trends, and strategies territory, we wanted to use this episode of Vertical with Veter to let our audience in on the Veter mission and give some context on how the company has grown from its basic beginnings as a family company making storage solutions out of necessity to a trusted leader in vertical storage and inventory management solutions. So with our conversation today, we're going to break down the history of the company, how Veter's product line has grown, how it's evolved and innovated, some challenges that Veter has overcome, and how Veter's solutions match important progressions and needs in the industries that it serves. For insights today, I'm pleased to welcome two members of the Veter leadership team, Ernest Rempel, CEO, and Peter Duick, co-owner, both of Veter. Ernest, Peter, great to have you both on. How are y'all doing? Very well. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Doing great, Daniel. Glad to be here. Great to have you on as well, Ernest. And Peter, thank you to both of you. Uh, so let's go ahead and jump right in. I'm really curious to unpack uh, the history of Veter and then use that to slowly get more insights on your direction as a company, your decisions to launch new products, how you strategize to do so, and just get some great leadership insight from you all. So like I said, I want to start by taking a time machine back to the 80s uh, and trace some of the growth of your company over the years to understand how it's become the company it is today. So Veter is today an internationally recognized manufacturing company for its quality, reliability, and innovation and has over 40,000 installations in over 40 countries. But in 1985, Veter was just a custom solution for the Duick Brothers lumber yard. So Peter, let's start with you. Uh, how did Veter initial carousel solution get conceived? Can you uh, break down that initial story for us? There's an old saying that necessity is the mother of invention. And uh, my father-in-law, who started Veter Solutions, um, he and his older sons owned a lumber yard and they were selling carpet and vinyl flooring off the floor. They realized very, very quickly that uh, that isn't an ideal way to um, sell flooring, certainly not efficient and by no means easy on backs. And so father-in-law conceived of the carousel that would uh, make all of that easier and make the display of the product better as well. And so after that, um, the first carousel, um, I guess the rest is history. Now, what was the impact of that initial carousel solution on the market? How was it received, um, especially since it was conceived as just more of a, an internal necessity than something that was initially conceived as being a, uh, you know, a, an enterprise level product? 
Well, I think my father-in-law was almost surprised at uh, the market reception when um, other um, distributors and flooring um, uh, retailers saw the ease and the efficiency with which um, this machine was handling carpet and vinyl. It just became uh, something that everyone wanted and everyone uh, needed. I want to open it up now to both of y'all, Peter and Ernest. Once you had a viable solution that was turning heads in the industry, Veter obviously had to become more than just a product. It had to become a company with a mission and a goal for uh, continuing to produce and ideate more um, inventive storage solutions. So what values and mission were the company founded on? And why? How did you take that vision of a product and turn it into a company with a full set of uh, values and, you know, a clear mission statement? I think uh, for my father-in-law, one thing that was required is that it had to be efficient. It had to be efficient to produce, also efficient to use, efficient to transport and move and set up. Affordability was a big deal. The roots were farming community. We um, made do with what we had. And so whatever we produced had to be affordable. It had to save the customer money in the final end. And in order for something to be efficient and affordable both, it has to be innovative. Um, And so uh, those were some of the values that uh, the company was founded on and and the roots uh, from which we grew. And I think to add to that, one of the things that I noticed very quickly when I joined, and actually one of the things that uh, Mr. Duick, the founder, mentioned to me on more than one occasion, was that uh, the the value of the people that worked at Veter and worked with him and worked with the crew, he's often said that he didn't know much about steel, but he was able to partner with people that uh, that did know and were able to build the products that we needed to sell. And that has been very evident since my day one. Ernest, I want to pivot over to you here for a second. Can you give us some context on when you joined the company and what captured your attention about Veter in the first place? Uh, my first stint was in 2003. I did take a year off to finish college in 2004 and uh, and then came back in 2005. Really, for me, the exciting part was that it was a company with a lot of promise. There was a lot of potential for for growth still. I love the lifestyle. So basically a lot of opportunity. You stepped in the door and immediately the value on the person was evident. And it's nice to work for a company that uh, that operates that way. So since you've become CEO of the company, Ernest, how have you seen the Veter vision evolve and uh, to what effect? You know, talk a little bit about some of the natural growth that matches, um, you know, the, the vision or vision evolution of the company and also some of the strategies that you've employed as CEO to continue to grow said vision. I think that's a very good, very broad question. Um, the belief that our group has in the company and the product is probably our biggest factor to our success so far. It's it's rare that we say, no, we can't do it. Um, we might decide against doing something, but, uh, but we usually have the skill set and the opportunity to do it. I think just the desire really to find that solution is what, uh, what really gives us our biggest opportunity for growth. Strategies for growth, I mean, we try and make sure that it is uh, stable, that it's planned and isn't just in the pan. And I think we've uh, we've proved that over the last 30, 35 years. Our team believes that we can create a solution to any problem. 
we've evolved in our tech and our electronic capabilities. So it's not just steel and motors anymore, but we just keep learning and we keep designing. And, uh, and that allows us to do things like the new VLM that we're releasing. And we'll get into that VLM product here in a little bit. Thanks for bringing that up. Uh, let's, before we do that, try to better track the growth of Veter's product line. So the company is around 35 years old now and has consistently grown its footprint with more industry-specific products, trying to find uh, solutions that meet industry needs. So, uh, can we break down that growth? What were some of the key products after the initial vertical carousel that helped Veter grow and why were said products so consequential? One of the next um, products after the first carousel was um, the carpet cutting and rolling machines product that can um, unroll, re-roll and measure and cut um, flooring. And we developed a significant partnership with AccuCut International. Uh, that became a huge, a huge product and, and uh, something that was well received in the market. We also, another stepping stone certainly was the bike bicycle merchandising system for Walmart. And of course, we know that um, for those uh, type of customers who are international established customers, they're looking for something that is innovative, but it has to be practical and it has to be efficient. And I think um, that that really stems back again to our roots um, where my father-in-law was adamant that um, it had to be practical, had to be efficient. And um, usually that requires innovation. And not to under undersell the carousels because they, they keep evolving on their own. And so that first carousel for uh, carpet and vinyl really turned into, you know, anything for rolled goods. And then it moved into a shelf that we could put uh, boxes and, and parts on. And then it moved into a carousel that we could store tires on. So basically, again... Any industry that is moving material as part of their process, um, we probably have a carousel that's used in that space to help make the process more efficient, help remove um, some of the bottlenecks or roadblocks and uh, and help our customers make their product and, and do their thing that they're good at. I think Ernest is exactly correct. Um, in some ways, the um, products we produce are not really uh, specific. They're quite generic. But then our design teams puts features into the machines that apply to all kinds of very specific applications. And so um, it looks like an industry-specific um, answer and solution because of the design team and how they think and how they can put features in. A carousel is a carousel. But then you start adding features and it becomes something that might be used very specifically in a car dealership or a flooring store or an electronics center or wherever. So it's um, it's a generic product with very, very specific applications and features. And I think, as Ernest mentioned earlier, that stems from us being hesitant to ever say no to a customer. We um, when we see a need we like to develop something that will address that specific need. I think also for an important point for the growth aspect, uh, that the growth part of the conversation, um, being able to not only supply a customer like Home Depot or a customer like Walmart, that also now means that you need to be able to service and support your product 
for years after the sale. Um, and so one of the keys to our growth has been uh, developing that service network um, across North America to make sure that we can take care of our product after it's installed and make sure that it keeps running for a long time. Once that's in place, that also allows us then to focus on, you know, customers like a car dealership or like an electronics warehouse or or something like that and still have that support close by that we can we can address um, any service needs five years after it's purchased because we've still got our techs that are still in the area and are still uh, uh, trained and ready to support that product. Love that. Thanks for all that uh, specific breakdown of your product line. Now, with all of that in mind, like I mentioned earlier, a lot of your growing footprint of products over the years has really been tied to specific industries and meeting their growing needs and trying to match products to how various industrial uh, and enterprise use cases um, just continue to evolve naturally. So as you tried to expand Veter's product footprint, why did you focus so much on building solutions that were so industry specific? And what were some learning lessons that you took away from innovating on products that were for specific industries? Well, and I think we've We've ended up in some specific industries with um, some larger uh, use products, but I don't know that we've ever targeted specifically an industry. Every industry uses inventory. Every industry uh, moves material. And our goal really has been to provide equipment that manages that task of material flow so that you as the customer, you can focus on the secret sauce of your business 100%. It's kind of our, our niche is where we try and help you not have to worry about how do we manage the material flow from one station to the next or from warehouse to um, supply or whatever it is. There's something that you're really good at. And if you can focus on that, we can help you know remove some of the focus on the, the mundane day-to-day, how do we move material? That's what we're good at. And so, so I think really that's been our, um, our focus and we ended up in some, some larger industries that way. As your products have evolved or gone from sort of general inventory management to finding some more specific industry use cases, how do you find that the um, solutions have had to change or have had to, uh, you know, slightly refine their um, functionalities or integrations to match you know, any more specific inventory needs across different industries? I think safety has been one of the biggest changes in the last 30, 35 years across North America. Equipment that is being used in in, in close proximity to uh, human beings has to meet a certain standard so that we're not, uh, we're not hurting people. Um, and so that has been probably the biggest change and requirement for change for, you know, sensors and electronics and light curtains, um, software to make sure that uh, the machine is doing what it's supposed to do. Yeah. Okay. So if your products uh, were conceived more as a general industry solution, then at the very least, um, at least from what I can tell with, you know, going through your website and looking at the various breakdown of your products, to some degree, they have uh, slowly refined themselves into meeting more specific industry-related inventory management needs, right? Because inventory management in one industry might be different than another. So, 
how have the products had to adapt to meet some of those more specific needs that are unique to each industry's inventory needs? Um, I think probably the biggest would be safety. That's obviously changed a lot over the last 35 years. And as, as, as our product has reached more, more people using the product, um, obviously, we have to make sure that we're designing and programming software that anyone using it, it remains safe while they're using it. And so that's been one of the biggest changes. I think also just each industry, they want their product in different ways. Somebody wants to handle it with a forklift. Uh, somebody wants to handle it with, you know, people using their, their hands to take stuff off a shelf. Uh, so going from across the spectrum of how you can interact with the product and, uh, and designing it specifically for that has also been a big change in, in how we've progressed. Yeah, the progression I think is um, is interesting to to follow because um, from our first uh, few machines that uh, address the flooring store industry to currently where um, our product may be in aerospace centers, it has had to adapt so that certainly the safety, the efficiency, the reliability are all there. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, now what I want to do is take uh, this product growth and uh, external facing growth and try to connect it with how Veter has evolved internally uh, and how it has tried to best support uh, the expansion of its product footprint. So to support this expansion, did your strategy include expanding the quality of your staff, the size of your staff, on expanding the kinds of supportive technologies and innovations that impact your products? Um, you know, did it involve expanding your manufacturing capacity? It, basically, what were some learning lessons you took away from growing Veter to match this vision you had for the company? And what did those changes and evolutions look like internally for the company? One thing that comes to my mind is, and again, I would give um, uh, credit to my father-in-law, uh, who is still alive at age 97, by the way, and doing well. But um, he was an incredibly entrepreneurial person. He was very intuitive and also very practical. But one thing he always kept on telling me is uh, hire people smarter than yourself. I guess he was humble as well. So um, that's one of the... Um, things I think that that Veter has done well is uh, we've always hired people who um, were capable. We have um, uh, high talent density um, at all levels of the uh, corporation, an environment where everyone um, has a contribution to make and everyone can speak and everyone can give their suggestions. Yeah, and that was where my mind went to is, um, again, with uh, Mr. Duick over and over talking about um, the people that that he would he would work with to make sure that uh, we had, you know, the best knowledge that we could get. And I don't know that that has changed much. It is uh, still a, a group of people that cares very deeply about what we do every day. As a result of that, we get to take care of the customer and you're not going to grow if the customer is not happy. So really, that's what it uh, it has been allowed us to focus on. And, and then that in turn allows us to cycle back to, again, making sure that we're, we are working with high talent, high quality. And, uh, and really, it's just a it's a it's a growth cycle that that supports itself, right? I want to take a second to hone in on the manufacturing capacity aspect of this. 
as you've grown as a company and had to develop a wider portfolio of products, reach more industries, and just expand your your footprint in general, how have you strategized to grow your manufacturing capacity to match uh, those needs and that evolution? And have there been any challenges that you faced in said growth that you uh, you know overcame in a unique way? Anything to share there? In terms of strategy, I think one of the important things is to remember your roots, uh, remember the values that you started with, and that was um, with the entrepreneurial spirit, with um, practicality and innovation. And so um, largely those values are still incredibly important as we um, continue to develop and and strategize for the future because uh, whatever we do we're going to have to be entrepreneurial to be able to pivot uh, adapt and uh, we have to produce products that are going to be practical and will be um, needed in all the different types of industries and uh, and i think in terms of physical growth whether that's footprint or or equipment we have tried again to be um, innovative and make sure that uh, we're we're efficient in our process and so we are making sure that we're current on our manufacturing technology that we are using efficient methods and uh, that allows us to put through uh, more and more product with uh, you know being careful how we expand now playing into uh, this manufacturing capacity uh, comes you know, which kinds of clients and partners you have to be manufacturing for. And a major part of Veter's growth has been building relationships with many national accounts. First big one was Home Depot, but that portfolio has expanded to national accounts like GM, Honda, Goodyear, Nike, and that's just naming a few. So what has been your strategy for securing these partnerships, both external facing strategy and also internal operational strategy? And uh, why are said partnerships important for Veter? Well, I think it's no secret that uh, if you can sell a product to a head office for multiple locations, it's uh, quite a bit easier than selling the same product to multiple locations individually. And so, so that's really part of the strategy is that you can, you can increase your volume that way. And it also allows us to then set up that service network and maintain that service network so that we can follow up and go uh, sell to those multiple in locations individually and still, so, uh, still support our product. Again, once it's done, even the head office doesn't want to hear if there are issues. You need to be able to make sure that you are servicing and taking care of your accounts at the storefront level. Um, that your machines are doing what you promised they would do. Uh, it's always a good testimonial for us if you're working with a large chain customer for a long period of time. And so, I mean, we've worked with Walmart for, I think, almost 30 years. So that's uh, that's always a nice a nice feature to be able to say. We're very, very proud of the um, longstanding relationships we have with um, large, large international customers. And in some ways, maybe people would be disappointed to hear how simple the strategy really is I think, as Ernest mentioned, of course, if you can repeat and uh, if you can do multiple installations for a single customer, that is the efficient way to do it. I think it starts uh, back of that even. And our relationships have been have been honed and have been built on the foundation of honesty, hard work and reliability. 
a friend of mine used to say that uh, the easiest way to make money is the hard way. And um, I think uh, we do that every day. We, um, we do it with our honesty, with our hard work, with reliability. Comes down to really the golden rule. Uh, treat people the way you would want to be treated. And we're very fortunate that um, industry responds to that. They appreciate that. When you're pitching uh, your services to a head office like a Home Depot or a Honda or, or a Nike, what are these high profile multinational partners looking for in their industrial equipment solutions, both in the technology itself, as in what kind of functionalities are just sort of a baseline necessity for that level of production? But also, what are they looking for in the companies that they source these products from, which I'm sure they also factor into their decisions? We're, we're going to keep sounding, I think, like a, uh, a broken record because it comes <laughs> back down to that number one reliability. Right, if, you're, sure. if your equipment does not do what you've, you've said it will do, you're not going to be in the business for long. And so number one for a large, uh, a large company and for a smaller company, for an individual location, it really is the same thing. This is, this is what we asked for and does it do what we asked for? And so focusing on that really, uh, drives that, uh, that repeat business of, okay, this company is trustworthy. They, they did what they said they would do. The product works like it, they said it would. And so let's, let's add another one or let's, let's fill out another location. Really, I think they want it to be able to be used by um, the people that are in their organization that will be interacting with the machine. Uh, so it's got to be ease of use for whatever they're doing. It can't be complicated. Um, it can't take a long time to set up and figure out with new employees as they hire new staff. Um, and so that ease of use is also very, very important. I'm always fascinated at the technology, the software, the electronics, um on our equipment is absolutely rocket science. It's so sophisticated and specialized. And yet, when you see the machine and you put it in front of a, an operator, it is so simple. It's um, easier to operate a smartphone, uh, although it is supported by the best software and electronics and behind the curtain. Yep, absolutely. Now, you've both mentioned reliability a lot. And I agree. I think that is an important baseline for uh, product success. If it works, it works, right? Now, how do you make sure that Veter's products are reliable? What sort of efficacy is in place? Uh, and what sort of product testing have you built into the design and manufacturing process to make sure that you meet those standards of reliability uh, and make sure that you meet them for all of your solutions? One of the first questions that I'll ask myself if I'm looking at a new product or, you know, I'm walking through uh, loading and looking at something we're putting on a truck would be, would I pay for this? If it was the customer, is this something that I would want in my facility? Um, and we try very hard to make sure that we are building in a way that it's not borderline. It's not, you know, we think it'll make it, that it is absolutely, like Peter said, rock solid. And it is going to do what we promised that it would do. One of the things that we will often hear at trade shows is, wow, this looks like it was built in North America. It doesn't look like it's, you know, knocked down for weight so you can ship it across the ocean. It looks like it was built to last a long time. And that's something we're very proud of. One thing we work hard at is that it is going to be practical, reliable, safe, affordable, and simple to use. And in many ways, um, it's a plug and play. Uh, 
set it up and it's ready for you to use. All right. With all this context in mind, earlier you mentioned a new product that really showcases Veter's mission, Veter's growth, and commitment to reliable products. So I want to go ahead and highlight that now. Uh, we have the recent launch of Veter's new vertical lift module or VLM product, uh, which hit the markets recently. This combines intelligent software and functionality with automated storage and density maximization. So I want to go ahead and break this product down and try to connect some of the dots with your vision as a company, your growth as a company, and all the various factors we've broken down that showcase um, Veter's commitment to reliability and quality. So again, let's break down this VLM. Why was this a solution you wanted to introduce to the market in the first place? Uh, For us, it was really the next step in our uh, product line offering. Um, If we're talking about moving material through a process or through a flow, there's our, our carousels and our, our our other products that we build. They they do a lot of that already, and this one kind of completes that puzzle and uh, and fits into a place that we we weren't able to put carousels. You kind of needed a different design, and so it's it's been something that has been uh, forefront for a couple of years that uh, that we need this, and we need to make sure that we design it uh, properly. Um, so that's really where that came from. One of the things that that again kind of coincidentally motivated it is that we needed a solution in our own facility. Uh, we needed to the capacity that these VLMs offer, and um, so you look at what's available, and, uh, and then you decide. Well, uh, with today's technology and today's products, um, there's better ways of doing things. There are better ways of designing this. The VLM, uh, I notice, is is something that's just got a fresh look. It's a fresh feel. It's, um, you know, there's better material and in the market available now to slide, to move the shelves, to lift. And um, our design team didn't just go back to say, well, what's been done in the past? They, they look at it and say, well, there's there's an opportunity here. There's something that that can be fresh, that can be better that wasn't available 20 years ago. Peter, when you mentioned that, it brings to mind two two items that I, I think are worth highlighting. And, and the first thing that we did differently is uh, using servo drives on the product. And uh, immediately, we're improving the reliability, the repeatability, uh, and really modernizing what, uh, what has been available for a while um, and putting it into a VLM. Our precision for tray movement is exactly that. It is precise every time. One of the biggest benefits that we're offering is the weight capacity and the trace, the, the trade movement speeds or the retrieval speeds speeds of the unit. They're for real. We don't uh, we don't ask you to trade off once you pick one. If you want to store larger and heavier parts, it will move at the speed that we advertised it as. Sometimes you're asked to trade off for weight capacity. If you want to lift something heavier, it's going to move a little bit slower. If you want to uh, go faster, then you're limited to a few hundred pounds. The Viter VLM will give you full weight at full advertised speeds, which really is important for uh, the purchase decision because a VLM, if you, if you haven't had a VLM before, it's it's one of those uh, disrupting technologies that you buy it for a certain purpose, and you realize that you can add uh, you can add them to more more places than you thought initially once you start using one. And so, if you buy one based on speed and realize that oh, I'd like to store a little bit more weight, well, now you're kind of out of luck, and you need to uh, 
you need to reconfigure. Whereas with the Vita VLM, it is as advertised and, uh, and it'll do the full load at the advertised speed, even after you buy it and change how you're using it. And how do you both see the vertical lift module solution playing into some of the expanded inventory needs that are uh, shaping inventory management today, especially when we look at some of the major shifts in e-commerce, in delivery infrastructure and fulfillment needs as uh, COVID has continued to reshape the retail landscape. And that's just one example of how inventory management continues to shift and expand. So yeah, in, in that context, how does the VLM fit in and how do you see it playing into those strategies? Probably the most immediate way that it fits in is the the technology we've developed for the VLM and the uh, the software that we developed for the for the VLM has allowed us to go backwards into some of our other products and uh, and move with our carousel move into the uh, buy online pickup on site programs and so even for uh, curbside pickup for grocery shopping and that sort of thing has allowed us to move into those those areas and offer really good solutions that help manage the flow of those orders in the store and in the warehouse so that uh, that the store can put out more orders can serve more of their customers especially you know in today's today's world where we're trying to stay out of the stores but we still need to pick up stuff right and so uh, so that's that's probably one of the most immediate growth things outside of VLM that it has helped us to do in terms of the VLM we fully expect that it will be uh, again multi-industry the uh, the different um, connection options that uh, we can offer for the software into uh, your software and your ERP should allow us to uh, to move into those different industries and and get that high density material handling. Whereas before it might have just been static racking, and we can definitely improve the efficiency of that organization. All right, Peter Ernest, that about does it for our conversation today. I've just got uh, one last set of questions here for you to look ahead and uh, postulate a little bit on how Veter is going to continue to grow and uh, expand its vision and its footprint. So how is Veter taking both its history and its most recent line of products and mapping out a holistic vision for the company's future? What is on the horizon for Veter? I think the way that the company will be successful is to um, look at our roots Reminds me of um, the Cars 2 movie where um, they say turn left to turn right. With Veter, the ability to continually adapt, to pivot on a dime, to meet the needs as they arise, uh, that's going to be what we will need in the future, just like it was when we first started. Always with an open mind, always with the ability to um, um, listen to the customer, hear what it is that their concerns are, what their pain points are, and be able to address those pain points. I don't know if there's anything I can add to that. That was a, a very good summary and a very good ending. And if you had to take that strategy then and uh, turn it into some advice for other leadership in business, either in a similar industry or otherwise, based on what's helped you uh, lead Veter to success... What advice do you have for others that are uh, in a similar situation or looking to expand their footprint, much like Peter? I think I would say, you know, keep an open mind and uh, and stay stay close and stay connected with your current customers. They will usually let you know what what's important to them, and to satisfy that, then you've got you know a long term business. 
and and ultimately again it just comes back to people if if they feel that they are creating something meaningful and valuable um and they bring their skills and talents to veter then veter will continue to be successful and let me tell you it's a lot of fun standing shoulder to shoulder you know looking at the new product the first vlm that we put up in r d and uh, and taking a look back at everyone that was involved in putting that together and making that happen from cutting the steel to designing the product to coming up with the software and uh and just celebrate you know that we can do something like this together it's a good feeling and it makes you want to come back to work again the next day all right i think that does it for our leadership conversation today i want to thank both of you for joining us and uh, digging into your past experiences and your strategies as leaders to give us more context on Veter's vision, Veter's products, and uh, how Veter wants to continue to play in the markets that it serves. So again, big thanks to our two guests today, Ernest Rempel, CEO of Veter, and Peter Duick, co-owner of Veter. Uh, Ernest, Peter, thanks again. If folks want to find out more about Veter's product line or potentially get in touch, learn more about your strategies, how can they do so? Um, absolutely, Daniel. Thank you for the conversation. And uh, our, our website is a great place to start, storevertical.com. And uh, it's got a, a good breakdown of the different industries and product lines that we offer. And the uh, the phone numbers are there as well. And we uh, we love taking phone calls and uh, chatting through what we can do to help for um, for your solution and and make it more effective and more efficient as well. Fantastic, Ernest Peter. Thanks again for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you everyone for listening to today's episode of Vertical with Veter, a Veter Solutions podcast. If you like what you heard and want to listen to previous episodes, make sure that you subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And for more information on Veter, go to our website, storevertical.com. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. Till next time.